Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Knock, knock. Human. Oh, you ruined my joke. I need a second to think of another one. Don't worry. No one listens to our puns. It's no big deal. Seasonings greetings? And I'm Abigail. We're sisters. And we believe in ghosts. Welcome to Supernatural Sisters, a podcast all about ghostly encounters, bone-chilling monsters, and basically anything that goes bump in the night. Each week, we talk about a haunted place, a legendary monster, or a story that sends shivers down our spine. And maybe we'll talk about the pottery scene from Ghosts. He's not a ghost in that scene. There are other parts of that movie where he's a ghost. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And remember, we we believe believe you. you. Welcome to Getting Down and Wordy. I'm Russell Perkle. I'm Hannah, and I am also on the podcast. On this podcast, we talk about popular music, etymology, language, and other stuff. Uh, Today, we have a special guest, very special episode. Hey, what's up? I'm Lola from the band Tongues of Fire. Tongues of Fire. And uh, so we're going to be talking to Lol here and uh, talking about Tongues of Fire. And uh, along with this topic, we thought it would be uh, funny to talk about spicy food because you have uh, a tongue. And if you eat something spicy, it might feel as if your tongue is on fire. (laughs) Which has always perplexed me. I have never understood why people go to the restaurant and say, hey, I would like something that is pain flavored. Oh my gosh, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very good point. And like, I, I feel like I generally enjoyed spicy food from a young age, but I can't really say why. You know, I don't know. Is it like, a, you know, you're proving your toughness by eating something really hot or (laughs) is it somehow really pleasurable or enjoyable in some way i I really couldn't explain it to anyone if they asked me i mean uh, i like extremes in a lot of different things i do i listen Mm. to extreme i eat extreme food (laughs) oh well what's the extreme opposite of spicy because i might like something that is extremely soothing uh british (laughs) food i guess like beans and toast (laughs) yeah true (laughs) that's so true yeah how do you feel about beans and toast Anna? (laughs) <laughs> um they are quite flavorless <laughs> but are that you is the that, word f- i would use that for that with like a are you saying that in a happy way or are you saying that as in you're not into oh yeah flavorless either? is my code for delicious <laughs> 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 like it like in most things you have an opinion and it's just patently obviously the wrong opinion <laughs> <laughs> so what's your what is law what's like your spicy food eating habits what what are some things you really like as far as spicy oh food man food? i'm sadistic uh I, I always love to go to thai places and be like give it to me thai spicy uh mexican places i usually go for the hottest uh salsa it just it just depends 
Uh, I like to go to like Hot Chicken Shack uh, in Atlanta. We have uh, Hattie B's. I'm there pretty often. Now I have to ask because uh, at a certain level of Scoville, mm-hmm. flavor just stops existing for me. <laughs> and, true, and yeah. So, like, is there? Do you have a favorite flavor, pepper, or do you just go for spiciness? Well, uh, I've kind of I've toned down lately. I used to just be like I, I, I like the challenge, you know, spicy mm-hmm. as like as you can get. But yeah, the it seems to lose flavor once. It's just a huge challenge. So I usually go for like nice and hot. I like something that's hot and challenges me, but I can still like enjoy the meal instead of being in in agony the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean, Hannah. It's like uh, the 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 uh, wing stop wings. It's like there's the hot wings and then there's the atomic wings and the atomic wings, of course, are like too hot for one thing. But also you just notice you don't even have that kind of like Tabasco-y kind of hot sauce flavor anymore. It's like goes to more what to me, I always think of as like a cayenne flavor, you know, where you just mm. get the spice, but you don't really get the almost like the fruity taste of the pepper. You know, you don't taste the vegetable itself, you know. Oh, like, so you can taste yeah. a vegetable part of the pepper. Sure. Just like a bell pepper or something, you know, they, they all have a pepper taste. A chili pepper taste. No, that's the first I'm hearing of like chili peppers having a flavor. Like I, I, <laughs> the my Scoville tolerance is saltine. <laughs> and are <laughs> bell peppers too spicy for you? A little bit too spicy for me. I need a <laughs> glass of milk to go with them. I was thinking about like when I was in uh, elementary school. Like they they had a taco day, and they they gave you like one little packet of taco sauce. It must not have been spicy at all because we were getting it in a school cafeteria. But like, I remember it being so spicy to me as a child that even my lips, like my face would burn (laughs) from this. No, You know, it's like just thinking about how much our spice tolerance changes over over time. You know, how much we desensitize to it, you know, because is it nature versus nurture? (laughs) <laughs> yeah are we born to eat spicy food it's a great question <laughs> that's a great question and i wish i had gone into the geology like the uh the genealogy of spice tolerance because it is very mm-hmm. much a cultural thing i don't know Absolutely, if, yeah. But, yeah i don't know if you can kind of tell by my spice tolerance but i am white <laughs> well you're pretty far north too compared to yeah. us and that's uh-huh. an interesting thing because like and maybe we'll talk about it more, but um, for some reason, you can. There's almost like a band, right? So when you once mm-hmm. you get north enough, or even south enough, um, in the really cold areas, for some reason, cultures just tend not to prefer spicy food anymore. You know, um, and actually, yeah. as far as I could tell, there's no real explanation behind it. There's some uh, theories like. Spicy food somehow makes you sweat and feel cooler, but these are generally like um that well, I mean, I guess you can't evidence, you know. Maybe maybe you can't grow peppers in that kind of climate too. That's a good point. Mm. That's a great point. Uh, of of course, like I think in most places they're not growing the peppers there, you know, they're kind of imported in. But I'm sure they're growing a lot of the peppers, sure. 
I think that could uh, certainly I guess be historically too, before there was like, you know, airplanes and stuff to deliver peppers, people just had to eat what was around them. And like, if you were, uh, yeah. you know, like uh, in the far north, maybe you could only eat like seals <laughs> and any peppers, you know? Yeah, something feels wrong about like putting hot sauce on a seal. I don't know why. <laughs> I just intuitively know those two things don't go together. <laughs> no, we do live in Michigan and uh, we do have a little vegetable mm. garden out back. Um, last year we grew uh, jalapenos uh, because my dad is a big fan of jalapenos. But the first crop that we got, he said, was so not spicy. Like he, we had to look it up. Apparently, if you water, jalapenos too much they just don't get spicy you have to torture your peppers into being spicy that's why it's so um it thrives in like arid climates or more harsh environments uh that torture is what makes that capsaicin do its thing i'm seeing a lot of parallels between food and music here yeah yeah oh <laughs> uh, yeah like fill us in what do you mean I mean, like, uh, I guess there, there's some music that's just so spicy that you can't even, you know, distinguish words or uh, melodies or anything. Like harsh noise or something, that'd be like the spiciest food. And I, I've kind of calmed down a bit into music that is still, you know, considered very listenable, but it's still yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, that, that's so true. Like the the equivalence to spiciness in, in our listening taste, like challenging yeah. music or like, Music that's mm-hmm. a little bit discordant or, or a little bit like uh, aggressive, abrasive, things like that. Yeah, I love it. And then, uh, then like harsh conditions making uh, intense uh, food, harsh conditions yeah. making intense music. That is true. Punk grows in rocks. <laughs> exactly. That was actually pretty darn profound. Go me. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, <laughs> we'll put it on uh, quotes.com <laughs> or something. <laughs> So yeah, of course, we have Lowell here, uh, lead singer of the band Tongues of Fire, as we mentioned. Uh, I, I, of course, I saw you guys at the Modest Mouse concert here in yeah. Asheville for which you opened. Was, that, that was so crazy for me, and I was just a guy watching it. Like, I can't imagine how that was for you. Because I, I know they had, like, no opener up until, like, the week of or something, it seemed like. yeah. We we got told we were going to be able to do it while we were on tour. Wow! Yeah, yeah. So we were on tour with a different band, and we're like, "Oh, hey guys, we're not going to be able to play the Richmond show. We just got asked to open for Modest Mouse." <laughs> and they, that, of course, they're like, well, that, "That's totally fine. Like, uh, that's amazing. Tell us how it goes." That's but so it was cool. it was very convenient, though. <laughs> yeah, so you're just in Richmond, so not so bad. And you're you're originally from here, yeah, in Asheville. Yes, I, I just moved down to Atlanta a few months ago. Cool. To what, Atlanta. What took you? What took you to Atlanta? Uh, more opportunities for for both my career and my band. Oh, very nice. Um, so how do you so, like Atlanta? How does it compare? And is the food spicier? Oh, the food! The food is very spicy. Loving it. Uh, so much food around here. And uh, I really love, yeah, the, the culture and all the things going on. I don't know uh, if you, Russell, remember the Moth Light, but that's a venue that closed down in Asheville. There's just like a huge gap in the scene where it used to be. 
And there's like mm-hmm. three different venues. They're just like modified Atlanta. So it's really cool, cool just being part of a, a community like that. I still love that yeah. actually. To keep visiting, but it is cool just seeing all this structure here. It was kind of missing in Ash- in Asheville. Yeah, the moth light's kind of legendary. I haven't been here long enough. I, I about a year mm-hmm. and a half here, so. Uh, but I've certainly heard of the moth light. Absolute legendary. Yeah. I was kind of curious. You know, again, I'm I'm sort of a newbie here, and I often wonder, like, what is the Asheville music scene like? Is there anything that seems a little distinctive about the kinds of music that are are here and so on? You know, I mean, like, what's your experience of it? Uh, I think it was a great place to start a band. I started a band like seven years ago when I was in college. There's lots of people that are looking to start bands. You know, there's like some house shows going around on around. It's just hard to to grow too much in Asheville, and it's kind of more and more become catered to tourists. And so you you've heard us. We're not really tourist music, you know. We're not doing we're not doing like Grateful Dead covers or anything. So it's kind of hard for us to even to exist in Asheville. What would you say that your Scoville rating is as a band? <laughs> I feel like that there's bands that are much much heavier than us, but we're a little bit spicier than what's normally out there. You know, I, I'd say. I don't know. Well, I, I'd say on a on a Rocky's Hot Chicken Shack or um, Patty <laughs> B's level of like a you know a hot chicken level, maybe we're like right below hot. You know, we're not we're not up in like the atomic levels. You know, the crazy ones, and, but we're like a little bit below hot. You know, there's some like stuff a mango habanero, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> which I, I, I like because I, I like loud energetic music and i like mm. being able to let loose but it's cool to maybe be able to be a little more palatable for most people one thing i'll say is like you know going to concerts you always see an opening band and it's mm-hmm. tough to be the opening band because you know no one's there to see you and they're kind of just waiting for the main group and so there's very few opening bands where i actually am interested enough and I have a positive enough response to then go and check out the music just because in a lot of ways you're just not in the mood you don't just don't care that much yeah but and, and so you really you know uh you did well in terms of that but the the thing that really amazed me was like the other thing is there's a lot of bands where you hear them play and it sounds great live because most things are like have a stronger impact live on you. You're 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 in it, you know, you're kind of immersed in the music. And then you listen to it uh as an album or whatever. And you know, it's like you don't get the same kind of thrust, but uh I, I think you guys you have this interesting quality that obviously all really successful bands need, which is that you sound really great live, you do a great live performance and you're also really great as a studio band as a as a recording that people might listen to you know yes we, we found an incredible producer and he's out of atlanta so before i even moved to atlanta i had this guy that i loved working with in atlanta and all these people i knew so it, it was a very natural move for me and i was like really glad that we're still doing you know our atlanta stuff yeah i think he does great work are you guys uh, working on anything now? A new album or 
or anything like that? Uh, yeah. I mean, so we got to hang out with the guys in Modest Mouse after the show. And I had a, a handful of songs that I wanted to get demos out. So as soon as that happened, you know, like I got some of the numbers and stuff like that. I was like, guys, we need to, we need to crank out these demos. We need to get on it. So that's what we did. Uh, I came back up uh, about a week later and we have like four songs ready to go now. It's just cool. That's wonderful. Wow. I know. Awesome. That's great. And I sent it to their guitarist and he gave me feedback. It's just crazy to even think about any of them listening to our music. Yeah, incredible. Modest Mouse has been my favorite band since I was like 16, I think. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, it's really cool. To <laughs> it's almost it's just cool to have this uh, live vicariously. Talk to someone who talked to them. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> the indirect thing. Man, I yeah, I, I really got into them when I was about, about 20. So, mm. I, you know, I heard Dashboard, you know, I heard... Mm. Uh, some of the, the radio hits. I was like, oh, this is a cool, you know, indie rock band. And uh, I got a recommendation to listen to the Lonesome Crowd of Bless. And I, I was fucking blown away by it. It was so cool getting to hear that kind of stuff, especially getting to hear it live, too. Because they did they did that unplanned encore. They didn't plan to play Teeth Like God's Shoes Shine at all. But yeah. they kind of ran out of songs on their encore because they got taken cool. off stage oh, wow. to the weather. Yeah, and the stage manager was like, "You can go on for maybe one song, like there's a little gap." They do it, and they're like, "Well, weather's still fine. You can play more songs." And so they just busted out teeth like God's shoe shine. See, that's something I always I wonder, like how planned are the encores and stuff like that. I, I saw them once before up in Michigan, mm -hmm. actually, and uh, huh. they it was so it was a great concert, but it was really weird how they did it. They played for maybe like. 40 minutes so it was like a relatively mm -hmm. short set and then they did two encores and i was like are they just is it, it felt a little manipulative almost like they were you know like intentionally it's like half of their show was the encores you know but maybe yeah maybe it's all spontaneous i don't know they want you to want them i feel like isaac definitely breaks the, the mold he's a pretty spontaneous dude but like, yeah, yeah. Mo most encores are pre-planned. It's just kind of like, it's kind of like peekaboo for adults, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but like that, that, that situation was totally unscripted, even by like, you know, Isaac or anybody in the band. It was like, you guys have to get off stage right now because it's such lightning and you might be in danger. Oh, so wow. Like, just cut the show a bit short. And then you're like, okay, you know, it's time for maybe one song. You can get a little encore in because you know that the the time between the take like leaving the stage and the encore was like I don't know like ten minutes, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it was a while. They thought for a second that they'd have no more songs, so this is just like very spur of the moment, which is cool. We've done maybe like three encores in the entire seven years we've been a band because it's just been yeah, people have been like play another song right now. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, what songs do we have? <laughs> right, we already, already <laughs> played the the main ones. <laughs> yeah. Um. So when you guys finish your set, like at, at uh -huh. uh, Rabbit Rabbit in Asheville, like, what do you do the rest of the time? Are you like 
just kind of listening from behind the stage or do you go mingle with the crowd? Uh, after we played, we I went, a lot of the times we have nobody running merch because we can't afford it. Ah, okay. So we go straight to the merch table and start selling t-shirts and stuff. That makes sense. But yeah. even though we had somebody selling t-shirts, I wanted to just go hang out and meet people. Because there were so many people that I uh, I knew that were in the audience, too. Oh, it was really great. Because cool. like, there, were, there were people like buying tickets off scalpers outside to go see us and stuff like that right after they found out we were opening. I like you know instantly maxed up my guest list with my family and my girlfriend, all of that. So it was a really cool, you know, kind of community event afterwards and beforehand, too. Yeah, great show. Especially because um, I, I also didn't live in Asheville anymore. So I got to see so many, like, you know, old friends. Aww. Absolutely. Yeah. How long have you been in Atlanta? Just about three or four months. It's not been that long. Oh, yeah. okay. So you haven't even had time to try all the different flavors of Coca-Cola. I know. I haven't I've been to the aquarium and I've been to a few museums, but I've not been to Coca-Cola yet. Oh uh, do I it. actually spent very little time in Atlanta, even though I live super close to it, you know. We went on a Girl Scout yeah, trip okay. once. Nice. Are you Lol, are you still touring now? Are you still on tour? No, no, no. It was it was a weekend tour. It would have been the last day of tour. That uh, we played Richmond, but we had to go back to Asheville. So we you traveled to, all over yeah. North, North Carolina for it then? Yeah, North Carolina, a lot of the U.S. Oh, hmm. great. What's your favorite place that you've played? I really like San Antonio, Texas. We, oh. played, we played a vegan restaurant on their patio. Cool. And there's like, yeah, yeah. Because the, the venue dropped last minute because of some, some drama. And so we played the vegan restaurant on the patio. No idea how it's going to go. There's like 100 people there, just, you know, like college kids losing their minds. I got to crowd surf off like the roof. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. Really good footage of, like the show online, too. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. And if you look up Tongues of Fire live at Hash Vegan, there's some good footage. I don't think they caught the, the crowd surf. They're still. It's a really cool situation. I just love stuff food, like that. Vegan food is one of those things that I think uh, people think that vegans like automatically like spicy stuff. Like I <laughs> cannot tell you how many times I've gotten like a vegan burger and mm-hmm. it didn't taste like anything other than fire. <laughs> so a uh, San Antonio vegan restaurant, I'm imagining yeah. just the spiciest food. <laughs> it's a great. Uh, I can't even recall. I think no, you were just had... convincing people they could fly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I remember the food was really good because uh, I'm not a vegan, and so I, I usually like to, you know, have the the full range of foods that mm-hmm. there is to offer. But like, there's people that can do a lot of really cool things with these, you know, restrictions, and I, I really respect it. You know. Mm, so yeah, when I'm, you know, in, a, in a place that has vegan food, I definitely like to check it out. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I love hummus. I love lentils. So. Me too. Some of my favorite foods. Uh, I was thinking about like 
Tongues of Fire, you know, it's obviously lots of bands you could compare you guys to, but I was really thinking a lot about, did you ever see that movie uh, Airhead with Brendan Fraser and <laughs> Steve Buscemi, etc.? Uh, I briefly, I think I've watched part of it, yeah. What? <laughs> they, they have like one song, but uh, it's of course, it's not really their song. I, I let me see what is the song in uh, Brendan Fraser but, plays a rock star, yeah. It, it's actually uh, they're, really they're not really movie. rock stars, yeah, exactly. Yeah, what are not, they? They're not exactly rock stars, they, they want to be rock stars, they would like to be rock stars. <laughs> they, 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 they hold a radio station hostage, right? Oh, yeah. no, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't know what was that song. Let me see. So, something like Johnny can't read or something like that. Uh, well, Brandon I, Fraser. I love, a little bit. Yeah. I, I love hearing, uh, I guess, uh, hearing, hearing people tell me what uh, my band sounds like, though, because I'll get bands that I've never heard before in my life. And I gotta go check them out. <laughs> you gotta watch that movie, man. You gotta watch it all the way through. It's a great movie. Uh, Reagan Youth was the actual band that was. Oh, uh, I, I love Reagan Youth, yeah. There you go. Reagan Youth? Yeah. And I mean, like, me as a podcaster, like, I, I have very, it's like at the same time, very specific, but very vague ideas about what am I going for with my podcast, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, like, what what about you? Like, what do you, what kind of music do you feel like you're trying to make? Like, what are you trying to achieve with your music? Uh, I, I really like taking a lot of different types of music and taking my favorite parts from them and then putting them together in hopefully you know, something that's original in my own. Because yeah. I, I wouldn't want to like try to follow trends too closely or make derivative music because it, it would be, it'd be a lot more pressure. I'd have to try to make like the best music in that der- derivative genre as far as like being you know, have the best production, have the best voice, you know, have the, the cleanest guitar tones or something like that. I like the idea of not having to be perfect and just making something original that hopefully people will resonate with. Yeah, I'd like that. That makes sense. You, any, uh, what are some of your favorite bands? Like, have, um, and what, what are some bands that you have seen in concert that would like you have to go to this concert, that concert. Uh, here you go. So this answers two of those questions. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw Idols at the Orange Field a while ago, and that was an incredible show. And it's really cool seeing bands uh, that sound like that get as big as they do, too. Yeah. You know, they, they totally. sold out a thousand tickets, and, you know, it's, it's loud, aggressive punk music, just like I make, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And they they have a wide variety of influences too, you know. Um, I like Gang of Four. So the the person that sold you that T-shirt, Devin, she was on tour with Gang of Four, selling T-shirts for them. Uh, right before uh, the show, I, I ran into her at the bar uh, at Lazy Diamond, and I was like, "Wait, you're you're back from tour?" I was like, "You want to sell T-shirts?" Seriously? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was doing a DJ set, and I, I saw that. What? I thought you were on tour. So uh, I love Gang of Four. Um, I lo- 
David Paho from Slint plays guitar in Gang of Four now. And I love Slint. That's another band that I'm absolutely, you know, in love with and I consider them a huge influence. Slint, Gang of Four, Idols, uh, Nirvana, another big one. I was kind of looking up uh, research, so to speak, about your band and so on. And uh, one of the things I saw in a few articles is like this, uh, some quote, like an intention to move the scene forward. I I don't know. Maybe that's just something people say, you know, in articles and so on. But it, it made me think about like, you know, we we mostly do popular mainstream music on this podcast and you know, and, you know a lot of it uh, super popular these days in 2023 is like poppy music that's oftentimes like hip-hop inflected you know yeah uh and it's very interesting to see like where is rock music going and is it still a part of the mainstream like are the young people listening to it like i, I remember uh i i come from a little town in louisiana uh and we had like a, a university there so when i was a kid i would listen to the the college radio station college which was radio, kind of yeah. like indie rock and i was just thinking about how like probably even today they're still playing indie rock that very likely the college students going there don't even listen to that kind of music for the most part you know they probably listen to like i don't know like ice spice and so on you know <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the I worked the Black Midi show at the Orange Peel in Asheville, and that's another band I consider an influence. And there was a ton of young people there too. I think it's it's gotten a lot harder to listen to new rock music because you know it's not on the radio or anything like that. But it's become really interesting. It's become very fragmented. You can look for something extremely specific and find it. And I think, you know, it creates some really cool uh, communities around it. Yeah, I generally agree. I mean, you have these, like you say, the splintering, you have more like small communities developing more like a variety of communities. I, I even think like rock music, to a greater extent, you still have this sort of authenticity of like, whereas pop or hip hop is oftentimes kind of produced by a group or a committee ghostwritten etc you know rock mm-hmm. music you're more likely to have a band with an artistic idea and you know let's say thesis to make you know then performing that idea you know which is cool it, it's uh something unique absolutely no i i have i have an immense respect for uh you know artists that just try to, to stay on yeah just like push the scene forward and stay on the cutting edge of what's going on musically. And uh, I don't, I don't think necessarily a uh, pop and or rap are too far behind. Sometimes, you know, I live in Atlanta, which is, you know, trap mm. central. Yeah. And I, I think, I think it's, it's something that rock can learn from too, you know, being forward thinking with how you write and being, you know, on the pulse of like, uh, culture and all of that i think there's some great you know bands uh like charlie xcx uh, i love her and then like uh a hundred gecks since there's a, there's a lot of cool things going on going on and i like that 
hopefully, you know, I as a rock musician can learn from that too. And we can kind of influence each other. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, one more question. So, of course, yeah. your band is called Tongues of Fire, and we decided to use it to talk about like spicy foods. But, like, what's, what's the real meaning, or what, why do you call your band Tongues of Fire? Name just sounded cool. It's actually from the Bible. But yeah, we have nothing to do with the Bible or anything like that. <laughs> I thought, oh, it sounds cool and it fits the vibe of the band. Which, That's you know, fair. I come up, yeah, I could come up with some story for the, you know, the press, the podcast. It's like, oh, it means so much to me, but that's just what it is. It sounded cool and it fits uh, mm-hmm. the vibe of the band. Yeah, it does. Sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar yeah. with our podcast name, just needed something that sounded cool and seemed to fit, you know. So. Nothing and also had a pun at all. <laughs> yeah, you're missing I, I a think pun. It's, but it's, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's very important though to have a uh, a uniform aesthetic. You know, we we pay attention to what we uh, post, how our music sounds, and you know our name on top of all of that. And when it comes together, hopefully, it's a, a nice little thing for y'all. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think. I think so far you've been very successful with it. Um, so in addition to talking about music, of course, we also talk about uh, language. Uh, today, as I just said, uh, we're talking about spicy as a term. Uh, when I was discussing this with you, Hannah, I was talking about how like English doesn't really have a word for spicy exactly, which obviously... Other than the word spicy. <laughs> yeah, we have at least one, <laughs> right? But, but, you know, spice itself as a noun, let's say, is a fairly broad topic. You know, it covers like cumin, it covers cloves, it covers cinnamon, mm-hmm. etc. Oh, yeah. You know? so, There's so many we- spices. When we talk about a spice, we we can't exactly say, okay, spicy means hot. And we can't exactly say hot means spicy because hot also means like, Mm -hmm. you know, the temperature is very high or something. That's true. You can bring over a hot bowl of soup and you don't know if it's spicy or if it's going to burn your mouth or both. (laughs) both. Do do different languages have a way to differentiate the, the two? Oh, Wonderful I'm so glad question. you asked. Yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I have a, just a little bit of information on this. And then, Hannah, you have a lot more. So I'll say a couple things first. Uh, so I, I think you can argue that other languages are in a similar but different boat. Uh, most languages have a word meaning something like spicy that just generally mm-hmm. comes from oftentimes something like sharp or cutting. Uh, so in German, they have a word like scarf or scarf, um, scarf. for things that scarf for things that are very mm-hmm. spicy. Um, they also have a word like piquant or piquant, which exists in a lot of languages. Um, the interesting thing about this word piquant, particularly, is we come back to like a word root that we've seen lots of times on this podcast, which is. Something like pick, meaning like to to poke or to cut, right? Ooh. We saw this for uh, the word pink, right? Because we had this little, there's this little flower, like a carnation called a pink, which has little holes and little uh, kind of slashes on it where it looks like you've cut the flower. Right. Um, 
And then the word picture as well, of course, comes from the sense of like cutting into an image, right? So, so a lot of these words have a relation somehow to a word like a cut. Um, and generally, these words are not really actually related so much to like a word for spiciness. Uh, French has a word like uh, espice or epice, sorry. Uh, but Epice. even this is not really the word they use for spiciness Epice. usually. They use it for like spiced foods, like a pumpkin pie or, or something. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so there are a couple of different distinctions of spicy that kind of help us differentiate. And um, again, this is a very largely cultural thing. So uh, somebody that grows up in a culture that doesn't have access to a whole lot of different spices isn't going to have the same number of words that, say, Indian cuisine has. For example, uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about Spanish, I think, because it's the easiest to understand and kind of wrap your brain around. Brain around. Um, for example, uh, the Spanish word uh, condimentado, it means spicy in that it is highly seasoned. So it's spicy, but only because it's got it's just filled with spices. And in Spanish, there is a distinguish a dis- distinguishment distinguish distinction perhaps <laughs> distinction perhaps between <laughs> um uh to do uh there is a Spanish distinction. I lost my train of thought because I lost the word. Oh my god, <laughs> I apologize. Well, we should um, mention, of course, condimentado. Uh, Obviously, we get a very similar cognate in English in condiment, right? <gasps> I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> uh, there's also the word especiados, which means with spices. That's something that has uh, more of a sharp taste, uh, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean highly seasoned. Uh, they can be used as a synonymous. Then which, of we course, have this one. This one would be mm-hmm. the same cognate like spicy, right? They all come from a mm-hmm. kind of spec sort of root there exactly and then we get to uh picante uh which is uh means peppery spicy this is referring to anything that has sort of a capsaicin sort of feel to it interestingly enough uh picante uh also means something that is like a dirty joke um (laughs) and that is something that you'll see throughout a lot of different cultures uh, there's also words like uh, sabroso, um, which is uh, a f- more um, umami sort of spicy. So an earthy kind of aromatic spicy. Um, yeah. uh, it also means racy. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, to, to talk about the dirty joke thing for just a sec, you know, it's like we yeah. see similar things in English with spicy, like a you might say like spicy language or spice up a marriage or, or things like this. So we, we tend to think, okay, this spiciness, like hotness, of course, it logically fits to these other ideas about things that situations that might be spicy. Uh, mm, and, and interestingly, actually, yeah, yeah. You actually sent me um, the information about spice having been very briefly used as a plural of spouse. <laughs> yeah, and it was unclear <laughs> what was his campaign to try to make this happen, but it seemed like one author used it in a book, and this was like kind of early uh, or early to mid 1900s. 
And uh, mm-hmm. it didn't catch on much, but the author, uh, Robert Heinlein of Starship Troopers, he seemed to like it as well and used it. Nice. <laughs> I think um, that we should bring that back. It's a little confusing. I don't know why we want to make the language more confusing, but I kind of like it. You know, you got mouse, mice, you've got um, louse, lice, and then you've got spouse, yeah. spice. spice. So uh-huh. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose exactly. if you take it all the way, then like multiple houses would be heist. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess that's about it, right? I don't know. It's really others. a slippery slope with language. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that's a great way to spice up a relationship. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just add a little extra weird like niche if etymology that, into there. <laughs> honestly, if only for the opportunity to propose to somebody saying, hey, I'd like to spice up our relationship. Will you and be my basil? Or then they add an extra wife and they're like, oh, this isn't what I thought. You were. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, yeah, multiple spouses, you know, spice. Spice is really gaining traction in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so this this idea of spicy uh, originally had some different meanings. Uh, you had a sense of like um, something that smells kind of like flowery or something like that, because, of course, most of the spices they tended to think about were like uh, flowers or some part of a flower, like, again, clove, cinnamon, things mm. like that. Uh, you also had a sense of it just to mean something like um, to um, gosh, I, I lost my place here. Hang on. Ah, like a, a meaning something a bit like uh, spirited, like highly spirited, something like that. Um, and then the, the one that I thought was very interesting was uh, over nice or fastidious. They had this phrase Ooh. of a spiced conscience, right? Almost meaning something like, I don't know, uh, wishy-washy or anal retentive or something like that, which is kind of the complete opposite of what we think about now, you know? Yeah, that's very, very interesting. So I'm, I'm kind of curious. Um, Lowell, your band yeah. has a lot of different, like you play with a lot of different genres and you are influenced by a lot of different genres. I just realized that my Zoom says that my name is John and I apologize. Um, <laughs> I, of course, do not know very much about music. Um, uh-huh. so I am curious about your two perspectives on this because you have this very, um, visceral, uh, um, re- relationship with music. Like it's a very, very, you can tell that it's something that is very, very powerful to you. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if uh, you could place a genre on some different spices for me, like if okay, Rosemary okay. was a genre of music. <laughs> Rosemary. God, first band that comes to mind. <laughs> uh, what's, a, what's a dish that uses rosemary as a primary spice? I, so I pretty... associate it with like chicken, like baked chicken. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuffing or something. Rosemary. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's uh, a jazz. <laughs> sure. Okay. I like it. Yeah. I sure. can't explain why. But I, I, I had in mind two things. The first thing that came to mind was 
Florence and the Machine. I don't know why. I think they're just a okay, little bit like uh, highfalutin in a way. Yeah. Where it seems like they're kind of putting on a particular air. And then I, I thought some kind of like band of grandmothers, but that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's not a real thing. <laughs> just well, a band say, of grandmas. I'd say that Rosemary as a Spice, in, in my mind, is like, it's it's a good accent. It's not too like straight into the front, you know. It, okay. Mm-hmm. It's not too. Uh, it's not too loud. It's not too out there, but it like pairs well in the background. When I was thinking jazz, would probably. Interesting. Like cool. Okay. What about horseradish? Horseradish. Uh, I could see that being like punk or something. Horseradish is a very to the front, demands your attention kind of genre, kind of a. Uh, kind of a uh, uh, spice and i'd say punk as a genre is very demanding take your time to the front kind of thing that's a that's a good it's answer. hard to ignore it's it's hard to ignore a punk band just like how it's hard to ignore uh horseradish <laughs> it's really hard to ignore horseradish horseradish yeah, lets you know it's there and if, if yeah. you have like a whole spoonful of it that's not too much sometimes. no so it's nice to take it in like small chunks like yeah, I'm, I'm, glad we did this... a, I'm glad we did a 30 minute set i i don't know i don't know if we if we could get through an hour of music oh uh, yeah <laughs> i can't imagine playing for that long it you know, it's, it's just nice wow. I, also, I also think it's funny because like when i play music at home i don't really sweat or anything you know but i mm-hmm. i just notice whenever people play concerts like within the first five minutes they're just drenched with sweat. It's like something about performing. It just seems you're just exerting yourself so much more, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially that show you saw us. And I was, I was going hard and I was like, I was hitting, I was hitting my limits for a second there. The, there there's one like the end of like a yell or something. I started seeing stars and I was like, oh, I gotta, oh. I gotta hold back a little bit. And I was like, no, nah, I'll do that later. I, I just I just kind of kept powering through it. And I was fine. Oh gosh, yeah, we could tell. Yeah, I, I like horseradish for punk because like it's very abrasive and in your face, and yet at the same time, it's kind of like uh, of the people. You know, it's like something you can get at yeah. Arby's or something. You know, it's a okay. great choice. It can, yeah, it can, and when combined with other things, it can create something that's a little bit more palatable, but also has that kick to it. Totally. Interesting. Okay. How about cinnamon? Cinnamon. Man, that that's another one that's another one that could be jazz. Cinnamon's really like kind of kind of sweet. There's a lot of like coffees that use it. I'd say maybe like maybe cinnamon's like pop music. It's very it's very mm-hmm. prevalent prevalent. There's lots of it around. It's easy to digest. It's something that can be combined with a lot of things. That's it's not true. like too uh to the forward and you know like uh it you know you can just like turn on a pop song and have it in the background like that's so true yeah i mean cinnamon it's in a lot of like very easy like pleasing foods like cereal and uh like packaged dessert stuff yeah that's a good it's it's everywhere and people generally like it that's that's what cinnamon and pop music can be said about Man, you're really good at this, actually. You're really good at this. <laughs> okay, nah. tell me, tell me your garlic genre. 
Ooh, garlic genre. Garlic. All right, there's people that really love garlic. Uh, it's, it's loud. It's there. Uh, I'd either... Oh, man, I'm, I'm kind of choosing between... I'd say garlic could be rap. I feel like mm. that's... It's very... Ooh. There's a lot of people that like it. It's in a lot of different Kind of aggressive, dishes. yeah. It's around. It's like hard it. to ignore. But yeah. I wouldn't say there's too many people that like you know, are, are averse to garlic. It's usually the people that don't have much taste that don't like garlic at all. I know um, it's funny to like. That like, was yeah, a great like pun. The people who are not enjoying it directly are offended by it, you know, because it's like if you're if you're the one eating garlic, it's really good, but if you're like sitting next to the person eating garlic, it's kind of an offensive smell, you know? In a oh, similar way, like true. if you're not if you're not a rap enjoyer, if you're just the bystander having to listen to someone else's rap music, then oftentimes, you know, it's kind of offensive or uh, mm-hmm. too, too grading on. Graded mm-hmm. I'd say I'd say that anybody <laughs> that likes food, I'd say most people that like food and know food are, are into garlic. Somewhere. That's true. And I'd yeah. say anybody that like, you know, is into music in general should at least like give rap a chance. So I'd say I'd say it's a good it's a good parallel right there. I agree. 100%. Okay. Okay. That's a so great answer. Let's return to Hannah. You were you talked about Spanish, like these little mm, yes. uh, distinctions uh, between different degrees of spiciness in Spanish. Uh, what mm-hmm. other cultures do this? So um, I do have a couple of really interesting ones from Chinese. Um, specifically Mandarin, of course, the, uh, we learned that, um, a lot of these Chinese and uh, Mandarin words, they leak on over. It's a cultural kind of, uh, um, like the pictographs used in written Chinese are universally understood throughout East Asia. So it's a, they're generally very common, um, cult, uh, uh, common, um, cultural ideas as well. Um, so the word that is used for spiciness is uh la uh it is uh used with that um tone it, of course mandarin is a tonal language la is the way that you say that something is spicy um so that is often combined uh in a sichuan um fla- in a sichuan kind of hotness which i did not realize before we did this research is a separate kind of hotness to regular hotness so this is a cultural, completely cultural, unique factor of Chinese is a mala, uh, mala, which is a numb kind of spiciness. Mm-hmm. The uh, word ma, ma is uh, referring to that numbness that you get from the spiciness of the Sichuan. So, Russell, you did a little bit of research on the uh, chemicals, and you discovered that Sichuan hotness is a different, completely different chemical than a regular capsaicin, right? Yeah, yeah. This this really leads to everything very nicely. So, of course, the, the spiciness in a chili pepper is capsaicin. Many people know this. This is a chemical that binds with uh, pain receptors and makes you feel a little bit of pain. And we, since it's in our mouth, we interpret this as a taste, but it's actually not a taste at all. It's just the experience of pain, you know? Um, oh, awesome. It's literally pain is, flavor. 
this is for for most of the like Western world, for most of Europe, Asia, Africa, etc. This is actually a fairly recent uh, addition to the culture. You know, before the discovery of the New World by Christopher Columbus, uh, this was not a spice that that anyone had. You know, and this is kind of why mm-hmm. a lot of these words. Or spicy as we think of it now had to be kind of like adapted or uh you added this meaning of a, a hot flavor to it mm-hmm. uh we we did have other kinds of hot things uh which had similar sensations of hotness um in sichuan peppercorns um the chemical is called alpha hydroxy sanshul in english and um of course, this doesn't exactly produce a heat necessarily. It has like a tinkling sensation and it enhances the flavor of the food and it also kind of numbs those receptors. It kind of it's kind of like it blows them out by um how how much of a how strong of a flavor it is. Um too much power. The <laughs> the Szechuan food that we eat today usually also has chili peppers in it. So now we think of Szechuan food as being spicy. And it's, of course, it's true. It is now. But traditionally, it just had these Szechuan peppercorns, which more had just like a numbing effect to them. That's Um, very, very interesting. Chinese also, uh, because of this different kind of cultural connotation, using the word spicy, there are some cute little idioms that I'd like to share with you from Chinese. Um, the phrase uh, is uh, sour, sweet, bitter, spicy. It is an idiom that means all of the joys and sorrows of life. Mm, sour, sweet, mm. bitter, and spicy. Yeah, of course, here we have like variety is the spice of life, um, which w- when we talk about the etymology of spice, it seems as if you know, it's almost like they were saying variety is the variety of life because spice <laughs> in its origin had a meaning kind of like variations, types, something like that. Uh, so in, in general, it's just kind of like having a various things to do kind of mixes things up. It gives you variety, you know. It's like saying you are got the Kalahari Desert. Hmm. Okay, I'll take it. Kalahari other, means desert. Other? It's desert, desert. Ah, uh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> so uh, this is also a different uh, type of spicy. It's a huala. Uh, hua is the word for fire. So it's just fire spiciness. This means something that is a painful kind of hot, a painful spicy. And if you add another la, huala la, uh, that means something that is provocative. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, this type of spicy, pola, uh, is a more pungent kind of spicy. Um, and it is also bold and vigorous. So if somebody has a pola personality, um, they are the type of spicy that just kind of commands the room, very charismatic. Um, whereas somebody that has xin huan shuola, uh, that means a spicy heart. Uh, what does the spo- it sounds if like I a very spicy- dangerous? Sounds like a very dangerous medical condition. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, doctor. No, wait, why are you talking to a doctor? I'm sorry, patient. Your 
spouse has spicy heart. Lowell, <laughs> <laughs> well, if I said somebody had a spicy heart, what would be your impression of them? Uh, maybe very passionate. Mm. Oh, well, so, I go for maybe somebody like very with a like spicy sensitive, heart. like they they're very. It's like short tempered, you know. Interesting. Yeah, I'm saying somebody that's like really maybe into getting ups- upset about things, you know. Mm-hmm. So somebody with a spicy heart is somebody that is cruel and merciless. Ooh. Can you get upset about things? Wow. Yeah, yeah, right. Usually a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this one is uh, the, the last one I've got is a Jiang Hai Shi Lao De La. Uh, um, means old ginger is spicier than young ginger. And that means mm. experience matters. Hmm. I wonder if it's mm-hmm. true. I, I know like the dried spices, usually they lose power over time. Maybe as you let it grow. It becomes you know, concentrated. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could be. <laughs> or maybe like I mean, if once you it... harvest a If you harvest a uh, jalapeno too early, it's not spicy at all. You got to give it time to develop that. I know it's a different chemical, but maybe mm-hmm. the same applies. Makes sense. All right, so to go through the other chemicals, so ginger has a chemical called gingerol. <laughs> Makes sense. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, black pepper uh, is called like piperine or piperine, something like this. Uh, garlic has a similar kind of heating effect called allicine. Uh, interestingly, just as we have the Scoville scale for the spiciness of peppers, there is a scale for the spiciness, quote unquote, of onions and garlic this is called the pyruvate pyruvate scale uh, awesome. just interesting that it exists uh in both scales they kind of use a similar method which is basically they take a uh um let's say a little sample a, a drop i don't remember how much of the flavor and they see how much sugar water do you need to dilute it with before you cannot taste it anymore right so um, huh. This is how they determine a numerical amount of spiciness, you know. Um, That's really interesting. Pyruvate scale. So they, they determine how much sugar water do you have to add, how much do you have to dilute it before you stop tasting the, the kind of pungent garlic taste, whatever. So um, did anybody else's grandma make onion syrup when they were sick? I've heard of this. I, I think it's like a European, like German... Uh, maybe Eastern European thing. Um, no, for me, we never Eastern did European. No, never? No. Okay, well, uh, it really hits the spot, if memory serves. Uh, she used, My nana used to make it for us when we would get sore throats. Basically, you slice an onion and you put it in a uh, jar, and between each slice, you put like a teaspoon of sugar. Uh, and the sugar forces the water out of the onion uh, and creates sort of like an oniony syrup that's ready in a couple of hours. You don't have to boil it or do anything to it. It's awesome. And it really helps a sore throat. How do you Good eat this? You just take a spoon or? Yeah, you just do a spoonful of the syrup. Dip. It's syrupy. You put it in your mouth and you uh, like cough syrup. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> yeah. And then all and then all the kind of like vampire spirits that are making you sick are like driven away. Yeah. That's very probably how that originated. <gasps> A vampire cure. Sure. 
Yeah. Uh, my Italian family would be like, eat, eat a rock, clove, and garlic. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right, and, and this yeah. use of uh, garlic as a medicine goes way back. Uh, even in Egypt, they would do this, right? So they, they just generally thought uh, before modern medicine that anything that had some kind of a strong effect, you know, mm-hmm. had some kind of a strong impact on you, it must be doing something to you. And they optimistically hoped what it was doing to you was something good, good. you know. Yeah. So, Russell, would that make garlic the spice of life? Could be. I mean, I think there's a lot of competitors, right? Because lots of spices were assumed to to be good for your life. So, to to talk about a few of these other chemicals that came before, you know, the introduction of capsaicin that had similar kinds of experiential effects, uh, mustard seeds, of course, also have kind of a spiciness effect you know mm-hmm. I, I was surprised to find that this is different from the spicy sensation of like ginger or horseradish whatever but all different chemicals um in mustard seeds there's allyl isothiocyanate and um this generally does not really cause like a painful sensation like a uh, capsaicin might but just like horseradish, ginger, et cetera, oftentimes you feel this more in your like respiratory system, your nose, whatever. Mm. Um, cinnamon has a, a different spice, so to speak, as well. Uh, cinnamata hide. And uh, again, this is very similar to ginger in our experience of it. Uh, menthol, you know, this, uh, which gives us like a, a cold yeah. heat, right? Uh, also... Which I think is my favorite of the spices. <laughs> I actually really dislike it. Uh, I even really? I usually don't use mint toothpaste. I, I have right now a, like a cardamom flavored toothpaste. <laughs> I just really Shut don't up. like mintiness. And cardamom like, uh, toothpaste? They do that? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I also have a watermelon toothpaste, but it's for kids. So I'm not sure if it actually works because, <laughs> you know, kids' <laughs> yeah, teeth kids don't famously, matter. You don't have to. Yeah. They, and they're just going to fall, fall out, out anyway. anyway. Yeah. yeah. Who cares? <laughs> and uh, um, I did recently learn. Yeah. What's what flavored toothpaste do you have, Lowell? I'm dying to know. Uh, just the standard. I actually have some toothpaste for coffee uh, <gasps> teeth. I drink a lot of coffee. I don't want to have. I really yeah, I know. So I got I have like I have like Colgate coffee drinkers or whatever it's called. I, I, I recently a coffee. I recently realized that I have an SLS sensitivity, um, which is why my mouth felt like it was blistering when I was using regular toothpaste. So I, I had to switch to a non-SLS uh toothpaste but a lot of those are kids flavors like bubblegum and uh i I, that's what i'm thinking like do i do i jump to that to to that island of bubblegum toothpaste i would like to i just don't know if that's the best idea for a 31 year old but uh what is SLS? Uh, it's a sodium lauryl sulfate. It's what makes the toothpaste foam up. It's a it's a sort of acid. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. interesting. I'm surprised so the kids' toothpaste doesn't have it because you would think kids would want their toothpaste to foam too. 
Well, the problem is it burns so very, very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's literally an acid. So um, it, it's it's completely, I, I understand why a kid's toothpaste would omit it. Um, next time I get toothpaste, I'm really going to have to wonder if watermelon is the way to go. You got to try it. Yeah, don't listen to what yeah. Dig Colgate now, says. You don't need to burn <laughs> your mouth every time you brush your teeth. <laughs> I'm <laughs> curious. Here's, here's what I want to know. We went through that phase as a culture where everything was bacon flavored. We had bacon flavored toothpaste, Stephen. Is true. this culture ever going to create a hot sauce toothpaste? They must have done Ooh. it. There, there must be a spicy toothpaste. There's spicy everything now. I'm yeah. sure. Googling it. Hot sauce toothpaste. And it's... if it has not been invented, I call dibs. I'm sure. never going to use it, it, but I would like the money. Go for it. I mean, I could see the marketing <laughs> as, as like a way to really wake yourself up in the morning, right? Yeah. Or, or mm. a coffee toothpaste. That sounds uh, against. That sounds very counterintuitive. But... <laughs> I, would still, I, I would probably purchase it. You know, it's like that's the big trouble with toothpaste, right? It's like you don't know which order. Do you drink your coffee and then you have to brush your teeth or do you brush your teeth and then you drink your coffee and it tastes bad? But if the if the toothpaste also tastes like coffee, that problem's totally eliminated. That you know? completely solves the problem. Yeah. Genius. Yeah. Modern solutions. Modern problems. <laughs> You're a really smart. So guy, chili, <laughs> you yeah. really are. So chili is the world's spiciest toothpaste. Uh, it's spearmint flavor, but it has uh, it has the intense spicy heat of ghost pepper flakes. That's really wild because I've never heard of mint and spiciness combined before. You know, mm. never done that. I d- I don't know what that sensation would be but i don't think i would enjoy i mean it. yeah i mean i used to have some like tea tree toothpaste and they they were like a little bit i guess it was a little bit harsh with how intense mm-hmm. the toothpaste was that's closest to spicy i'd say <laughs> it feels like we're circling around another uh topic i did a little bit of research if we want to do like a quick little aside um you know how uh, food writers can't just write the same thing over and over and over again? Well, I looked into uh, a uh, just a, a miniature class, just like a little class to train food writers. And I took uh, uh, some different words and uh, they um, all have different connotations. And I'd like to get your thoughts on them. So obviously the main word spicy when something is spicy, does that make you think, I want to eat that? That sounds delicious. That sounds very appetizing. Yes. Yeah, I like <laughs> it because then you know, you have no question. Okay, this is going to be a spicy food. The only trouble is like, you really don't know how spicy. So I really like spicy food, but unlike Lowell, I generally am a little worried when I go to Thai places because even they're like uh-huh. really mm-hmm. low spiciness is very very spicy it's really hard to get like edible thai food (laughs) you know yeah Yeah. i always get no spice that is an option you can ask for that they have to give you it's the law sometimes (laughs) Um, it's very it's a very bad idea though like i i got Mm -hmm. 
uh, spiceless food once at a uh, Chinese restaurant here. And it turned out that was the only flavor in the thing. So it was really just like, it was like clear. The sauce was clear. There's like nothing in it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just water. Noodles and water. Uh, I'd, I'd say my, my desire for spicy foods comes more for, I guess, a large amount of flavor too than mm. the spice mm-hmm. itself. I like the challenge of something being spicy, but also just strong flavors. I'm all about it. Interesting. Like so how about the word zesty? Zesty. I think of this as, I don't expect it to be spicy if they say zesty. You know, mm. I expect it to be highly spiced, though, if it's yes. zesty. Yeah, like okay. a oregano and tomato uh, kind of, like, I expect rosemary. something yeah. kind of herbal and kind of acidic. I think it's mm. because there was a hamburger helper flavor when I was a kid called <laughs> zesty Italian. I think my, that's my whole definition of this word. Basically. Zesty yeah. Italian, you know, it, 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 it's something, maybe even like... Uh, like a zesty vinaigrette dressing, something like that. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Acidic, about, probably zesty. What about the word pungent? See, with this one, a very I, strong smell. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you think of a smell, you think of a strong smell. And if it's applied to a food in a positive way, I assume it's going to be like fermented or, or something like that. Maybe garlicky? I, garlicky as well, yeah. Garlic is incredibly garlic-y. pungent. But the funny thing about it is that actually pungent and pungency, these are the words that in science they've settled on to 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 tie to capsaicin, to, to tie to the idea of spiciness, uh, weirdly Ooh. enough, which for me it's odd because, again, whenever I think pungy, yeah, garlic would be a great uh, example of something I would expect if I heard pungent Ooh. or sweaty, yeah, even, you know, body odor as well. That's true. I I do th- I do remember some pungent people. Um, what about do to do tangy? Tangy. That's that's a zesty tangy, almost interchangeable with mm-hmm. me. It's I like I, I expect something kind of acidic, lemony, yeah, you know, vinegar. Yeah, it's, like it feels like it pairs well with something citrusy. Yeah. Yeah. Sour or something. Um, what about the word picant? I think a picante sauce. Yeah, mm. <laughs> same. That is a great point. So the word picant is one of the uh, European words where the word for spicy comes most often. So uh, picant, uh, the languages in Europe that have similar words that mean spicy, Catalan, Czech, Corsican, Galician, Latvian, Maltese, Polish, Portuguese, Romanian, Slovak, and Spanish all have some variation of the word picant as their word for spicy. So this is the more universal in Europe kind of experience of spicy, what we generally think of. Yeah, and just Um, as our word spicy evolved from like a sense of something like spices, uh, picant kind of evolved from something very close to like tangy or something so originally was describing kind of sharp taste Mm. you know and and again once capsaicin was introduced to europe they needed a word and this was like the the closest their closest idea was something that Mm. kind of has this sharp cutting taste uh so they it's kind of shifted over right to mean like Mm -hmm. spicy 
which brings me to my favorite spicy word because I feel like it uh, is the most accurate for my experience with spicy. Uh, caustic. <laughs> this, this sounds like something you should not eat. <laughs> you should not put in your mouth. <laughs> like a OSHA warning. <laughs> Lowell, would you eat something that was uh, described to you as caustic? Uh, probably. I'm very adventurous food wise. Does, does sound like a challenge, right? Describe what is the definition caustic. of caustic? Uh, it's like something that eats away at matter. So like an acid <laughs> or, a, or uh, a very, very rough kind of um, uh, chemical. Yeah, I do it. Uh, now, would I always eat? I, I would eat something described as caustic, but I don't know if I'd uh, seek out something caustic, you know? Mm, yeah. Like if it was on offer at your local wing shop, like it has this level of spiciness, tangy, zesty, piquant, caustic. You're gonna go straight for caustic. I'd probably have one of the caustic ones, just out of curiosity. <laughs> Gotta, yeah. But then maybe I'd have like a lemon pepper, a zesty lemon pepper one after that. But <laughs> if somebody was like, I don't know, if there was like, if there was a caustic milkshake, I'd probably pass on that. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> totally. Some foods you don't it, want it, to be yeah. caustic. Yeah. For sure. In like an extreme food setting, I do caustic. Outside of that, probably not. No. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think not. it's very rare for like spicy desserts to work. It, it seems like there's a lot of uh, chefs trying to make it happen, you know, but yeah, mm. it works with some things. Chocolate can be spiced pretty successfully sometimes, you know. And there's a lot of aromatic pies. Yes. But again, that's like spicy, isn't Usually today we would say spiced. Rather than spicy. Yes, like a pumpkin spicy latte. So, just to kind of touch on the etymology of the word itself, spice, before we totally wrap up here. Um, as we said, it before really it came to be so closely tied to capsaicin spiciness, hotness. It just generally meant something that had like a some kind of a spice whether it was a hot spice or not in it. And, um, you know, there are some of these like pepper and so on, which do kind of feel sort of hot in a similar way. But there's other ones like uh, gin, uh, cardamom, uh, cinnamon to a lesser extent, cumin, which really don't mm. have any kind of spiciness at all. You yeah. know? No, but makes uh, a fantastic toothpaste. <laughs> yeah, not bad. So this this word itself, spice, though, it actually comes from the same root that gives us words like species. Um, also, words like spectacle, uh, skeptic, specimen, spectacular, spy, scope, despicable, etc. Et That's cetera. why you made that joke about variety, a spice being the spice of life. Gotcha. Exactly. So it. The original meaning or the original word that these all come from, some kind of root kind of like spec, just means something kind of like to look at something, to observe it, like like spectacles that you'd wear mm -hmm. on your face, you know? So it's weird that it even means anything related to flavor at all, right? That's like a totally different yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. you know? Especially, yeah. And, and even the other things like a species or something, that's even pretty weird. Because, like, you know, why are you 
associating a species of something with the idea of looking at it, right? Um, okay. So this seems to come from Latin sort of like legal or logical language and the idea of like a special case. And this would be like a uh, example of something that was somehow notable or somehow like a good example to consider in order to think about some like, uh, let's say, argument or or characteristic or debate or something like that. So from the sense of like you're you're looking at something to kind of decide what are the different types, the different varieties, something like that, you get the idea of a species, right? So okay. special so, has the same root word as spice. That it does, is, absolutely, yeah. That's so great. I like that. Because, I mean, if you were to flavor food in a world that doesn't really have flavor, that makes the dish special. Yeah, it, it that's a pretty good connection. Oddly, it's not the connection that you end up getting. Ooh. So, like, how do we get finally from looking at something to the idea that there are different varieties of things to the idea that something tastes like super flavorful or punchy or even hot? Mm -hmm. um, we had basically spices were a thing that was traded a lot, right? So if you look back in history, a lot of the sort of uh, trade movement interaction between countries, this was related to spices, right? You had something that made the food taste really good. and People really did a lot to try to get these things. They would pay a lot for them, etc. Uh, yeah, it's and a lot of uh, a lot of slavery happened because of spices. A lot of slavery, a lot of wars. Uh, they're also kind of like the origin of the grocery store in an interesting way. Um, you know, oh. you had markets selling foods and uh, goods and things like that. But I would say a food market was not really the main thing you would normally see at a market, just because most people grew things locally. Most people grew their own food, but they couldn't really grow their own spices so much, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of the times they were going to markets to get, okay, fair enough, like leather or rugs or things like that. But as far as food things went, they were going to get the spice, you know. To oh, go yeah. The food. Um, and so spice in that context was just kind of a word for the variety of things that a seller might sell, their goods, their wares, things like that. So this idea that they had an assortment was kind of how this word came to be first just associated with things a person might sell. You know, a merchant has mm -hmm. an assortment of things. Most of those things were spices. So then the word spices kind of came to mean specifically the um, aromatic kind of seasonings that you could add to a food. You know? Interesting. That's, I really, that's really, really cool. So, uh, there's so much more we could say about spices, but we've said quite a lot. So uh, on this podcast, we don't just talk about uh, spicy language. We also talk about spiceless music. And who has oh, okay. the least spicy music in the world? <laughs> <laughs> the least spicy country, continent, etc. Uh, so Australia as the least spicy uh, continent? Yeah, you know, I have no idea if Australia has spices in their food. 
actually. Do I they just spice their this. food with like spider venom or something? You'd think with how extreme their environment is that they'd uh, come up with some uh, yeah <laughs> music with some uh, edge to it. So uh, right. they yeah. Uh, well yeah I mean they they so your opinion of uh. This, of course, was Australia Eurovision 2023. Today we are talking mm-hmm. about Voyager's song Promise. Lowell, does not sound that you like enjoyed this at all. Oh, <laughs> uh, not exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I, I was thinking like uh it's kind of funny to think that like Hannah, you probably picked this song because you somehow like associated it with tongues of fire <laughs> kind of a little bit i don't know music very well or europeans uh, very yeah. well and i know australians <laughs> even less me too i do love some music <laughs> from australia i know oh, really? uh, Am on the, yeah there's a there's a band called am on the sniffers it's from the area they're really good there's some good bands from new zealand that i'm aware of mm-hmm. yeah, gotcha. uh, this track necessarily <laughs> falls into That's that fair. <laughs> yeah i mean if you if you're a person who watches Eurovision, I think your uh, standards and expectations are a little different. I mean, I just uh-huh. I enjoyed seeing something that was not quite so uh, you know uh, like I guess I would say bland pop, pop music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's cool. I, I appreciate that about it for sure. But yeah, otherwise I, I can see it. You know, it's like uh, not exactly it's it's like music that's trying to cosplay as edgier music than it is you that's know what, what I, mean? I was about to say yeah because i was like oh yeah you know at least it's not a bland pop song but at least the bland pop songs are aware of what they are i think they're kind of like yeah, i'm so like freaking hardcore with you know my my, my one growl in the song you know, one, my, uh, it's like it's like those memes where the dog is allowed like one bark you know yeah <laughs> it's like they're allowed it's like their, their producers told them they're like okay there's you get like one like little bit of like harshness in the whole song and they usually yeah. put like a kind of like a silly drop on there it did I mean, feel I, very out of place i i really i do, I do enjoy bands like romstein I, I like uh i like ghost too you know like I think yeah, Square I Hammer is a great song, you know. That's that might be considered like pop metal, or if you want to say about that. We should have done Germany, Lords the of the Lost. Well. I know. Mm-hmm. You know what it reminded like... me of? Okay. Oh, uh do you know that Finger Eleven song that got super popular, that uh one thing song? Or he's saying like if I gave it all up for one thing, wouldn't that yeah, be something? something like that. But it's like it's like so weirdly vague where you're just like, what is he actually singing about? And that's kind of the, I mean, I, I assume it's intentional, but I still didn't get the point of the song. I, I felt very yeah, similar here where lyrics. it was like, yeah, he was like, have you ever had this experience? If you haven't, you didn't live, but you never really get a sense of what the experience is, you know? And I could I could have even like excuse it a little bit if like English wasn't their first language, but they're <laughs> Australian, they speak English. So actually Danny um Estrin, the lead singer, uh-huh. uh is he's from Germany. Uh wow. he emigrated to yeah, he emigrated to Australia with his family when he was eleven. 
Uh, so mm-hmm. actually kind of a, a late, he speaks English fluently, of course, and it's wonderful, but uh, you do definitely see a little bit of that kind of German influence. Uh, Russell, we've been watching uh, Eurovision for a couple of years now. Germany is usually very flamboyant, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially this yeah. year. But uh, but there's thing, that's One thing I learned recently is that Germany pretty much always sings in English. Like they just assume mm-hmm. that people won't enjoy German language music. They they assume that people don't really like hearing German that much, mm-hmm. and so pretty much the German singers always using. It is a fair assumption, but uh, <laughs> I do consider it incorrect because I I think that German is just one of the cutest languages. I mean, as as uh, oh, yeah. said, you know, Ramstein, mm-hmm. great, great. Yeah. Oh yeah, or, or ninety nine love balloons, you know. Oh my god, yeah. adorable. And when you get like a somebody when you can hear them clearly in German, it's just lovely. And I just like saw a video of him speaking, um uh, uh, Dan Rams uh, Dan Estrin uh speaking to the Lords of the Lost and congratulating them, and it was in fluent German and just I love listening to German accents. They're really, really lovely. I have this um, maybe maybe uh uh, extreme opinion, unpopular opinion that no language is actually particularly beautiful. Like they're all, they're all basically the same. It's all just. Uh, I, I, I don't think any uh, language is particularly harsh, too. You know, mm-hmm. there's people that are like, you know, trying to dunk on German for being a harsh language or something like that. I'm like, it's just how mm-hmm. you. It's just how you say it. It's just like with music genres, too. It's just how you work with it as to have them. Yeah, you know. I, I agree. I 100%. will push back though because I, I do think that there are some accents that are just objectively cute. Like I, I, I if I hear anybody speaking in Quebecois French, I immediately start smiling. It's like I'm being talked to by a teddy bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not to be like that guy, but like I, I really bristle at that kind of stuff because I think probably we're like experiencing the effects of colonialism. You know, it's like. I think the mm. accents that people really like are usually accents that are prestige and they're prestige for a uh, very dark reason, you know? That's, well, well, that throws that into a <laughs> little that. bit of a darker. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> Bring the podcast Ow. to a halt. <laughs> yeah, stop. <laughs> so, so um, what's the deal with Voyager? The... What do we know about Voyager? What do we know about Voyager? We yeah. know that they're a band that formed in 1999 in Perth, Australia. Perth is a city in Australia. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite a longevity. Wow, 1999. They're, mm-hmm. they're very youthful. <laughs> I yeah. think he is the only remaining original member, uh, Danny Estrin. Um, he was, uh, he formed it with a couple of friends back in 99 and there's been a lot of, a lot of movement, you know, how, how music is bands very rarely go from, uh, one end to the other end with everybody intact. Um, but they have been experiencing a lot of popularity, uh, because this was this, um, song promise was a really, really popular song, not just in Australia, but in Eurovision as well. Uh, it actually got first place in its own semifinal um, with 151 points. 
Now, overall, it it, uh, got ninth place with uh, 151 points uh, total. So I think in the semifinals, 149. Ninth place. Yeah. Yeah. And I I loved watching it because uh, every time they said uh, 12 points to this country, they would uh, pan on over. And every time the announcer said 12 points to Australia, they'd pan over to uh, Voyager and they always had something in their mouth like chips or a beer <laughs> and they were always shocked and they were like oh shit okay it was really really adorable and charming that's awesome mm-hmm. yeah um uh i was wondering Lowell, like was this your first time to your first exposure to eurovision or have you watched it before oh, yeah yeah i have never seen eurovision before so i i looked up the yeah i looked up that that song and i was like what do the rest of the songs sound like Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just seems like, you know, kind of more of like a pop song thing. So did yeah, you have I an mean, opportunity to hear any Eurovision songs that you actually liked? Um, I forgot the artist's name. I can look it up. Because like I said, I like a decent amount of um, pop music. I listen mm-hmm. to like, you know, Sophie and Charlie XCX. Yeah, there was like uh, on the Reddit for Eurovision, someone mentioned that like, they're really excited because one of the bands had sort of sampled essentially some of the sounds that Sophie had created. But unfortunately, I don't remember which band. But yeah, I mean, that's the it's a nice thing about the music scene, I guess, that the time we're in now that bands like Sophie, 100 Gex, Charlie XCX, uh, they've they've kind of made pop into something that is hyper pop. Like, yeah. Hi, mm-hmm. but it's also kind of high art in a weird way. It's like it's something that you have this if you're someone who just likes casually listening to mainstream music, you've got to weigh in. If you're someone who's like really pretentious and snooty about your music, you've got to weigh in, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot of unity now. There's a lot of the kind of um anti-pop sentiments that we had as as young people have kind of finally been cleared away, you know. I like the I like Unicorn by Noah Carroll too. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like the way sure. it like played with the tempo a little bit. It would get in like a more of a, a straight beat. It would like uh, go into halftime stuff like that. I wouldn't say it's you know it's like groundbreaking. I'm like, oh, it's a, it's an interesting pop song, you know. Yeah, and there's a lot of that. I feel like Eurovision is is the crucible in which a lot of uh, music can be formed. Uh, Like it's such a melting pot, a a cultural melting pot. I like it when, um, when people sing in their own language, but these guys are Australian and their language is apparently English. That's their only language. (laughs) But uh, I think, I think too, uh, as a, as a sound guy too, I, I run sound. I actually ran okay. sound at the Orange Field for two years before I ended up playing there at the Modest Mouse show. But um, I can kind of turn off the artistic part of my brain and be like, oh, this is very, um, you know, technically uh, interesting. It's cool seeing, you know, mm-hmm. some of the world's best producers make something that might, I'm not, I might not necessarily artistically like, you know. I can at least always, uh, appreciate that part of it. It's always nice okay. to have music people on here because, like, you know, we we don't have a music background, so especially when it comes to the Eurovision stuff, like people always bring insights that we really just pass mm-hmm. right by us. But 
Yeah. I like how well, you can appreciate the craft, if not necessarily the art. Totally. Yeah. Well, so I'm curious, Law, like how, when did you stop running the sound at Orange Peel? Like, uh, I never did. I, I just, I just moved to Atlanta. So Ooh, I guess no, no. Ah, oh, you still do it. So I was just wondering, because of course I've been to some Orange Peel shows as well. I mean, especially like I remember distinctly going to the Mountain Goat show and that was the most like incredible like balance yes. of voice to music in terms of he was so clearly audible and it was Honestly, it was the best experience I ever had of going to a band's live show and still being able to hear very crisply and perfectly what everyone's doing, stuff like that. That's so I funny. don't know I was if there. you were involved with that. That's awesome. I was. I was. So if you if you looked to your right off stage, you would have seen me right there running monitor. I was cool. I was making sure everybody on stage heard what was going on. Yeah, what that's an really cool. Show. Yeah, that was awesome. great. I mean, it was. It was like sold out. Everybody was like jumping up and down. I remember. The, I remember. I recognized their their last song too. Mm. Yeah, really great opener. Uh, cool kid, awesome band. Oh so yeah, I, is... I, I played with them multiple times. We uh, we they played we played Asheville with them before they were like notable at all. And then we played a house show with them in Alabama a couple of years yeah, later too. I want to get them on the podcast as well because they're, they're so <laughs> great. I think. So what is your opinion on uh, live music versus like the studio version is, uh, are there, I know Russell prefers to see like the music video as opposed to like the performance, which, Mm -hmm. uh, which do you prefer? I think there's an art to all of them. And, you know, ideally uh, we do great at every single part, but I'm not really a studio guy. Honestly, I found a guy that can make our records sound great. Uh, but I mostly write the songs to play them live. But I, I do, I really, I really do love making a good, good record. I wouldn't say I, I skimp on that process. You know, I spent a lot of time writing the songs. I wanted them to sound really good. But the studio is honestly kind of a chore to me. I'm like, I just want to play these songs live. I don't necessarily want to go through the whole process of recording them. But once, mm. I, once I get the recordings, it's good. <laughs> yeah. It feels okay. really good to have good recording. Yeah, and it, it's funny because, like, of course, I think, like most people, most of my experience of songs is the recordings of them. You know, this is what oftentimes you hear first. This is what you hear the most often. I, it's very really important. I always appreciate whenever bands live, they, they sound a bit different. You know, like uh, Modest Mouse, I think just from the nature of his performance style, these always sound very different live, you know. Uh, ma- the Mountain Goats, they did a lot of like, you know, different mixing, different instrumentation in songs, which was very cool. I also saw the the Purity Ring show at the Orange Oh, Field. yeah. And That's for me, too. I mean, I'm a pretty big Purity Ring fan, but okay, fair. I don't know all of their songs by heart, but I found that live, it was basically the same sounds as listening to it on the record you know not nothing against them at all or their performance is a great performance it's just a different you know it's different experience you know yeah i i think it's it's 
there's there's not one way to put on a good performance and make a good record or be a good band. So it's interesting watching different people approach it in different ways. So, so I'm because, curious. You know, good. Did you did you watch both uh, the Voyager uh, music video and the performance, or just the music video? Uh, I just saw the music video. Hmm. Okay. My my first thought was like, wow, they they have a lot of money. They must put a lot of money into that. And then I looked up the guy, <laughs> and I was like, oh, he's a lawyer. I was like, that makes sense. Oh wow! Yeah, he's an immigration yeah. lawyer. <laughs> no, in his in his defense, you know, he does seem like a really nice guy. And it's cool mm-hmm. that he's doing. He's helping people like that. Definitely. Like, oh, okay. I was like, this is this is this is a guy with a lot of money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thing. So the cool part about that is um, it was that I'm sure you're referring to like that beautiful uh, sort of clear lake that they were shooting on and during the music video. Uh, That is known as Hot Lagoon. Uh, That's actually a very it's a very popular place to shoot music videos in Western Australia. Um, It's uh, because it's so close to the ocean. Those are actually saltwater lagoons, which is why. It's so shallow and so reflective, uh, creating sort of like this mirror effect. And there's a lot of algae that actually grows in the hut lagoons, uh, giving mm-hmm. uh, during certain part times of the year, giving the lagoons uh, a very pink kind of tone. Uh, it's Ooh, very pretty. I was wondering if it could be bioluminescent. That'd be cool too. So it's not bioluminescent, but it does have beta carotene in it, which is harvested for your uh, daily supplements uh, and your vitamin A, which is nice. Really? Yeah. Um, so they're they're and, getting beta carotene from like an algae type thing. Yeah, yeah. Beta carotene is a is a a out this particular algae especially is a, a very um, what you call. Um, there's a lot of beta carotene in it uh, mm-hmm. and the salinity of the water uh, makes it, you know, salty and, and delicious. So <laughs> it's harvested and it's used uh, in foodstuffs. The other kind of interesting thing that I wanted to mention about Voyager before we say goodbye is um, that the name Danny Estrin is not a very uncommon one. Um, a couple of months ago, right ahead of Eurovision, um, uh, Danny Estrin and Dan Estrin of Hoobastank were invited <laughs> onto NPR to be interviewed by Daniel Estrin, the uh, correspondent who frequently uh, reports from Jerusalem. So it was known as the, uh, the Dan Estrin Summit uh, <laughs> between the three of them. <laughs> Uh, and I just think that that is incredibly charming because I do know of one other Hannah Wire, and uh, she is a uh, movie maker, a, a documentarian. She seems great and a lot smarter than me, so I don't know how open I would be to having a summit with her. But have you guys ever Googled yourselves and found other people? So is that so far? Is that how you encountered her? You were like googling, and you yeah. I googled. I was. I was. Um. I was writing for my college newspaper at the time, and I was looking for a particular article. So I just figured I'd Google my name, and she came up. And mm-hmm. Hannah Wire, the documentarian, is awesome. You guys should check her out. 
what are you even doing? You're probably here for Russell. So I, I feel like I, I'm so loyal to this Hannah Wire that I Aww. don't even want to check <laughs> on another one. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's so sweet. I, I know there's one other Russell Perkle because he has my bank like uh, username. <laughs> so I had to oh, add a no. number. But he's not anybody <laughs> famous. So uh, I just know that he exists. But I, I don't know anything. Uh, honestly, it's like one of those things where I don't know if my self-esteem could take it if I found out he was somehow way more awesome <laughs> than I am. You know? <laughs> greater Russell. Right? <laughs> so, the only one I get is they're like, oh, your name's Lowell, just like Lowell George. Because he's, uh, he's a guitarist in a band. Ah. Honestly, they're like, you gotta listen to Little Feet since you share a name, and I haven't listened to the other guy named Lowell yet. <laughs> Sorry, other Lowell, you're not famous enough. Yeah, maybe Lowell Hobbs is a distinct enough name that you're not so likely to encounter another one. I don't know. Sometimes it's surprising. I mean, I'm super surprised there are two Russell Perkles. You know, it does not seem <laughs> like a common name at all. Well, I hope he doesn't have your bank information because that seems like it could be a really thorny situation. Uh, we share, we just share one bank account, you know. Mm. Yeah. I do uh, feel bad for you as, both as the most famous of your name. It's nice being the second most famous of my name. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta uh, add that to my uh, social media <laughs> account profiles. <laughs> Russell Perkle, most famous of my name. <laughs> really epic sounding. It does. <laughs> right. The greatest uh, Russell Perkle. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you. Uh, so, Lowell, why don't you kind of give people some idea of like where they can find you, where they can find your music, things to expect, uh, anything you, you want to promote or plug? Uh, yeah, so just look up Tongues of Fire. We're on Spotify, all of that. Uh, Instagram is where I, I post the most. Or at least when I can. Uh, <laughs> and we're playing AVL Fest. Keep an eye out for us on that. I think it should be August 8th I in Asheville. Yeah. Nice. yeah, just keep an eye out. Uh, they haven't told us exactly where we're going to be, but we'll figure it out. And uh, yeah, just keep an eye out for new music. Just follow us on the social medias and we'll probably release something when it comes to it. <laughs> And just catch us uh, on tour or uh, stream us. Great. Yeah, we look forward I'll definitely, to it. I'll definitely be on the lookout for everything that you're doing in the future. I, I love this uh, the EP that you, you guys released last with uh, Room and Clean and all these. If anybody has not listened to Tongues of Fire before, I really suggest you checking it out. Um, Thank you. And so, uh, of course, you can find us and other great podcasts on podmoth.network. Uh, you can find us also on Instagram at getting down and wordy. And that's about it. <laughs> only <laughs> social media at this point. Uh, well, so thank you so much for joining us today, Lowell. Thank you. Yeah, that was awesome. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. Have a good night. See you again soon. Bye.